The Origin, Mission, and Destiny of Civil Government and the Christian's Relation to It by David Lipscomb Chapter 1 We use the term civil government in this book as synonymous with human government in contradistinction to a government by God or the divine government. The design in writing this book is to determine definitely the origin, mission, and destiny of human governments, their relation to God, and the relation the church and the individual Christian sustain to them. In the beginning God created the earth and all that therein is. Over the material world and all the lower creation He gave man control. Let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Genesis 1 verse 26 And the Lord God commanded the man... Genesis 2 and verse 10. Without reference to what the command was, this indicates that while God committed the government of the under-creation to man, He reserved to Himself the right and prerogative of governing man. God would govern and guide man, man would govern the under-creation, and so the whole world would be under the government of God, man immediately, and the under-creation through man. But man refused to be governed by God. First, as an individual, he violated the specific command of God. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. This leaven of disobedience wrought the rejection of the divine government and was transmitted from the individual to the family, to the tribe, to the race. While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. When man was off his guard, the enemy of God and man implanted the seeds of distrust and disaffection, and the heart, the mind, and the life of man became disloyal to God. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5. The act of individual disobedience culminated in the effort of man to organize a government of his own, so that he himself might permanently conduct the affairs of earth free from the control of God and independent of God's government. The first account we have of organized human government is Genesis 10 and verse 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech and Akkad and Kalni in the land of Shinar. Nimrod was the grandson of Ham and the founder of the first government organized outside of the family institution ordained by God from the beginning. Nimrod made other families tributary to himself and established a kingdom of which he was the head. The declaration, Let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth, Genesis 11 and verse 4, shows the animus and the spirit of the movement, and that it was intended to resist the purpose of God to govern them and to distribute them over the face of the earth, and to establish themselves in a government of their own organizing. The effort to unite themselves more closely than God's rule united them resulted in the confusion of their language and their division and dispersion. The design and purpose of this beginning of human government on earth was to oppose, counteract, and displace the government of God on earth. 
The institution of human government was an act of rebellion and began among those in rebellion against God with the purpose of superseding the divine rule with the rule of man. Its founder was Nimrod, the grandson of Ham, whose family was accursed. In accordance with a well-defined principle of God's overruling providence, the family of this founder has been the greatest sufferer by the institution which he originated. Josephus, with whatever credit he may be entitled to in reference to matters so remote, says, Nimrod, the founder and leader, appealed to them that it was too humiliating and degrading for wise human beings capable of forming governments of their own to submit to the government of another. Josephus, Book 1, Chapter 3, says, When they flourished with a numerous youth, God admonished them to send out numerous colonies, but imagining that the prosperity they enjoyed was not derived from the favor of God, did not obey Him. Now, it was Nimrod who excited them to such a front and contempt of God. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God but to bring them into a constant dependence on his own power. This is quoted to show the government existed before Nimrod, else he could not change it. Undoubtedly, the government instituted by God, the family government, existed. He changed this by subjugating a number of families and tribes into one government under himself. The quotation, so far as Josephus is authority in the matter, shows that the human government and dependence upon that government for good was the means adopted to wean them away from fidelity to God and his government and was instituted for the purpose of supplanting God's government. It is clear that human government had its origin in the rejection of the authority of God and that it was intended to supersede the divine government and itself constituted the organized rebellion of man against God. This beginning of human government God called Babel, confusion, strife. It introduced into the world the organized development and embodiment of the spirit of rebellion, strife, and confusion among men. God christened it Babel. It soon grew into the bloodthirsty, hectoring Babylon, and subjected the surrounding families, tribes, and kingdoms to its dominion, and became the first universal empire of the earth, and maintained its sways until the days of Daniel. When we consider that God and the early inhabitants of the earth named things, persons, and institutions from their chief and distinguishing characteristic— it cannot be doubted that God intended in calling this first government established by man confusion, and in so speedily confusing the language of its founders to foretell that the chief and necessary results following from the displacement of the divine will and the establishment and perpetuation of human government would be confusion, strife, bloodshed, and perpetual warfare in the world. The results have vindicated the truth of the prophecy couched in the name. The chief occupation of human governments from the beginning has been war. Nine-tenths of the taxes paid by the human family have gone to preparing for, carrying on, or paying the expenses of war. All the wars and strifes between tribes, races, nations from the beginning until now have been the result of man's effort to govern himself and the world rather than to submit to the government of God. 
I am not intimating in this that human government is not necessary. I believe that it is necessary, and that God has ordained it as a punishment to man for refusing to submit to the government of God, and it must exist so long as the human family or any considerable portion of it refuses to submit to the government of God. Human government originated in the rebellion of man against his maker, and was the organized effort of man to govern himself and to promote his own good and to conduct the affairs of the world independently of the government of God. It was the organized rebellion of man against God and His government. The essential character of this government, as portrayed by God, will be given hereafter. Babylon. The first universal empire of earth, growing out of this rebellion of man against God, continued until overthrown, displaced, and superseded by the Medo-Persian Empire. This Babylonish empire, with all its possessions, conquests, and honors, was left to the Medo-Persian. The Medo-Persian exercised universal dominion until overthrown by the Grecian power, to whom it was left with all its glories, honors, and possessions. The Grecians succeeded the Medo-Persian and continued until subdued by the Roman, to whom were left its power and possessions. The Roman continued until broken in pieces by the little stone cut out of the mountain made without hands. The fragments of this Roman Empire remain until the present day. All the human governments of Earth are the broken fragments or the offshoots of these of the Roman Empire. We emphasize this line of descent of the human or civil governments of Earth because it is usually claimed that the civil governments of this day are the successors and offshoots of the Mosaic dispensation, or the government of God ordained among the Jews. They clearly run back through the Roman, the Grecian, the Medo-Persian, the Babylonian, and for its origin to Babel of Nimrod on the plains of Shinar. The connecting links are few. And there can be no doubt as to the line of succession. On the other hand, God has always kept on earth a government of His own, in contrast and in conflict with these. In Eden, the government was direct, individual, and personal. God spoke directly to man and gave specific commandments to be obeyed. Men multiplied into families. God gave the law to the father and made him the lawgiver, the mediator, and the priest to his family. When the family of Abraham grew into the proportions of a nation, God gave it laws suited to a national existence. Moses became the lawgiver of this nation. He is sometimes called the lawmaker. This is a mistake. God was the lawmaker. He gave the law to Moses, and Moses gave it to the people. God has never authorized any being or power beneath His own throne to make laws to govern His own people. This is the prerogative He has reserved to Himself. God is the only lawmaker of His people, the only rightful lawmaker of the universe. This government of God among the children of Israel was corrupted and perverted, but some of the Jews were schooled by it and trained, as were others not Jews, by the providence of God for the service in a higher and more perfect kingdom of God. God then took the Jewish national government out of the way and superseded it with the kingdom of heaven, the church of God, which was fitted for the service of individuals, few or all, in all nations, and aspires to universal and eternal dominion on earth.
God then took the Jewish national government out of the way and superseded it with the kingdom of heaven, the church of God which was fitted for the service of individuals, few or all, in all nations, and aspires to universal and eternal dominion on earth. It is to embrace all people, all nations, kindreds, and tribes, and mingle and mold them into one universal brotherhood, to break in pieces and destroy all earthly kingdoms and dominions, and fill the whole earth and stand forever. The mission of this church is to rescue and redeem the earth from the rule and dominion of human kingdoms, from the rebellion against God, and to reinstate the authority and rule of God on earth through His own kingdom. Through and in it Christ must reign, until He shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Then will he deliver up the kingdom to God the Father, and himself be subject to God, that God ruling in and through his restored kingdom on earth may be all and in all. Then he will deliver up the kingdom to God the Father, and himself be subject to God, that God ruling in and through his restored kingdom on earth may be all and in all, the only ruler of the heavens and of the earth. These two lines of government, the divine and the human, reaching from the beginning down to the present day, have been kept distinct and separate by God, often commingled and dovetailed one into the other by men, with what relations and results to each other we will examine.